Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. I want to talk about something this morning that's really been on my heart for, I don't know, probably a couple of months. Sometimes, uh, you know, the Lord give us something, we scratch it out or whatever, and you just, you just don't never feel like you're supposed to preach it, and then you come back to it, he'll add to it or whatever. And um, so this morning, I just, um, I, it's kind of like a Heinz 57, I guess, you know, it's got a little bit of everything in it. But uh, I want to uh, talk about, really, um, I want to talk about the kingdom, our role in the kingdom, not just uh, how many know Jesus didn't save us, just come to church. Y'all going to help me this morning? And so, um, uh, we, we, so I want to just uh, talk about that, really, about leadership. I want to talk about the city, our place in the city, and things like that. A couple of uh, announcements, as you find Matthew chapter 25. On October the 7th, I um, uh, probably should have got Stanton really to say this, but on October the 7th, uh, is Crusaders, come, is Lodge and them going to do the worship that night? We, we're going to do the worship. We will be doing the worship, but on October the 7th, we got Pastor Tanya Hall from Jacksonville, Florida, is going to be in this uh, church. It'll be a Saturday night. Uh, we're doing it 7 o'clock on Saturday night. And uh, so you do not want to miss that service. Uh, just going to be a powerful uh, service. Uh, she is a preaching machine. And so that'll be here on October the 7th. Also on October the 29th, we want to do an event where we're going to call it Cornerstone in the City. And so uh, we will not meet here on Sunday morning. We plan to go to the depot parking lot, provided we got to go attend a city council meeting, but we believe by God's favor, grace, and mercy. We're going to go on through that gate. And, uh, but we're going to do a service outside in the depot parking lot on that Sunday morning of October the 29th. Um, we're going to do, uh, Clay's got a big flatbed that he hauls lumber on. He's been gracious, uh, going to help us or whatever. We're going to put that flatbed. The worship team will be on that. We're going to have uh, cars set up beside the road to do trunk or treat out of. All this is going to be going on simultaneously, handing out candy, worshiping the Lord, preaching the gospel, cooking hamburgers and hot dogs all in one single motion. And so we're going to do that. We'll feed anybody that comes up. So you be praying about that. And uh, we're looking forward to just getting the church outside the walls uh, of the building. How many knows that the building's not the church? You and I are the church, right? And so we got that coming up also in October. How many knows that October is a month? That is a month that we dedicate really uh, nationwide where we honor the clergy. So we want to do that. We're going to do, uh, the Lord has highlighted three men to, to me um, that in October we'll set those dates. I think the first one is what, what I tell you this morning, October the 8th. October the 8th on that Sunday night. As many that will, we're going to attend a Sunday night service at another church. Uh, it's not even uh, in our denomination, if you will. It's going to Baptist church, but the Lord's highlighted two uh, Baptist men to me that we want to go and visit them on a Sunday night. That Sunday morning, I want to take up an offering for that pastor. We're going to go to his church on that Sunday night, attend his service, worship the Lord with that congregation, and give that man of God a gift just to lift them up in the Lord. You good with that? So that's what we want to do uh, for the month of October. And so... Uh, I know those uh, two men, and uh, uh, and so I just believe that'll be 
uh, that'll just be strength to them. How many knows? Because if you run Sunday night service, a lot of times when I was in uh, it, when I was in a mainline denomination, Sunday nights was our best services. Uh, we had all the doubters and uh, all, they come on Sunday mornings, but all the shouters come on Sunday night. Can you say Amen? And we just had good church on Sunday night. And so, but a lot of times, um, I know I was I was talking to one of them, and, and just the attendance just falls off on Sunday night. So I know what it's like when you gonna come to the house of the Lord and pull up and there three cars out in the parking lot, man, that drain all the faith out your shoes. But I know this, if we pulls up there and they got, my God, you know, I mean, they seven the cars out there, how many know helping preach a little better? So uh, we just want to do that and just be a blessing, amen? So you there in Matthew chapter 25? I'm going to read a good bit, good bit of scripture because uh, probably several hasn't read it since Wednesday night, since we were together. And uh, so that'll help us catch up on Bible reading. You there? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for helping me preach good this morning. We thank you for opening up the ears of the hearer this morning. Help us to see, Lord. Help us give us wisdom and revelational knowledge, Lord. Open our eyes to see our role, God. Lord, it's so much bigger than what we can ever think, ever imagine. God, you want to do exceedingly abundantly all that we could come up with, all that we could dream up. And Lord, we just thank you for this, this great county that you placed us in, Father. We thank you for the many great churches that's in this community this morning. We pray the blessing of the Lord over each and every one of them. We pray a blessing of the Lord and strength and just fresh vision over every leader in this community, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, not only those that are leading in our pulpits, God, but those that are leading in our county government, God, give them vision to see a greater day, Father. We thank you for that, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. How many believe that God's going to want us to do something in our community? All right, so that's what I'm preaching for. Now, if you believe in that the best has already happened, you might as well go ahead and get in the car because I ain't going to do nothing but make you mad. All right, you ready? Matthew 25, verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and, and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord... Of those servants came and settled accounts with them. How many knows this is a picture? This, this is deep right here. This is talking. Let me just keep on reading right here. I'm trying to preach before I can even get it read. Listen. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I, will, I was also afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to 
him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, how many knows that he said this is likened to the kingdom? See, the king has deposited something in you and I, and he's looking to get interest on it. Here's the deal. My job is not to come to church. Jesus did not die on the cross so that you and I could come to church every Sunday and enjoy good singing and good preaching and that be the extent of all that he did. Come on, somebody. He died on the cross so that you and I could get the Holy Spirit alive in our lives and go bring influence of the kingdom wherever which way he's placed us. You and I just happen to be placed in Cook County. Some of you in Tiff County. Come on, some in Lowndes County. Some are even in Nashville, Berrien County. We pray for extra strength and mercy upon you. No, I'm cutting up. But all of us have been placed in these different counties. We've been like seed sown from the Father's hand to bring an influence. Now, here's the thing. Listen. The same anointing that enables me to preach the gospel is the same anointing that allows Steve to build a house. My God, the same anointing that allows me to preach is the same anointing that allows Ken to build with metal. The same anointing that's upon me to preach enables me to preach helps Terry sell. So here's the deal. You and I just got to get in our place, whatever it is. And whether you're selling, whether you're driving a truck, whether you're driving a nail, or you're preaching the gospel, we're here to bring a difference. Come on, somebody. And here's the deal. What I do is no more important than what you do when you're doing what you do is unto the Lord. It's good preaching. See, we got this great divide between ministry and we like, in the, well, the, I'm in the ministry, this is what I'm doing. Well, if God called you to be a faithful housewife to raise three kids and homeschool them, if you're doing that under the anointing of God, you are just as much in your lane as I'm in my lane. All right. Now, notice how he gives each to his own ability. Gives five according to their ability. Gives two according to their ability. Gives one according to their ability. And he expects us to bring increase to it. Now here's the deal. Throughout this parable, what I see, and I just really, I'm going to talk to preachers because I'm talking to preachers. We're all in full-time ministry. Look at your neighbor and say you're in full-time ministry. If you didn't know that, that's revelation to you this morning. But the book of Corinthians says that we've all been called to the ministry of reconciliation. We've, see, we've, we've come up with all kind of stuff in the church and says, well, if the man of God works a job, then he's not in full-time ministry. I don't know of any part-time ministry. I'd, I've never found that in the Bible. Where is there such thing as part-time ministry? I don't care if you work in a job. Come on, somebody. We full-time in his place. When God called us into the army, he never called us in it part-time. He called us in his full-time, and he expects us to make a difference. Now, here's the deal. Throughout this, this, this parable, this is a parable on leadership. Everybody in this room is leading something. You are either you leading your house, 
You lead in your classroom. You lead in the job site. You lead in the church. Everyone in this room is leading. Now let me say this. Just because you have a title doesn't mean you're a leader. Talk to him. We're going to talk. We're just breaking this down, right? This has just been in my heart is what I've been eating. Just because you have a title, and we said this on Wednesday night, we used a quote from the movie Braveheart when William Wallace went to Robert the Bruce and he says, men don't follow titles, they follow courage. Just because you got a title doesn't mean you're leading anything. But when you step out with courage, people can follow that. So leadership, in essence, is when you take what you have been given and you bring increase to it. It's when you've been given a hot dog stand that produces 30 hot dogs a day, you take it over and, and within just a short period of time, you run running 90 hot dogs a day. So how do I measure my gift of leadership? I look at what I have been given and when the time it came into my possession and where it is at now by the time I take inventory. If it has not moved, you're not a leader. You're a babysitter. Talking. I'm gonna get to some, I'm gonna get to some uh, something anointed in a minute, okay? Just hang with me. We gotta lay a lot of groundwork. And I got like seven pages of notes. That's dangerous for me. <clears throat> you take whatever, whatever area you've been given. If you've been given, if you've been given the worship team, where is it at? If you've been given the youth ministry, where is it at? If you've been given whatever on your job, where is it at since it came in your possession? And the Lord is looking through for you to do what he has in you. Listen, what he has in you, the Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. So none of us in here is like when God calls us to do something, he places within us the ability to accomplish what he calls us to do. You with me? All right, so if it's not growing what I got, then I'm a babysitter. Listen this. When the Lord gives us something, he will place the resources around us and in us to get done what he's called us to do. Now, how many of you feel at times overwhelmed with the task that God has given you to do? Let me say this. If you don't feel overwhelmed, then you're probably not doing the task that God has called you to do. You're probably doing something you want to do. But every time God has called me to do something, come on somebody, he puts me in where I seem like I'm over my head. The reason why that is because he wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. He wants us to trust him. Come on somebody. He's wanting us to stay under the cloud by day and the fire by night. To be led by his presence. To look to him and say, God, I don't have enough wisdom to face this situation. I don't know how to lead this church, God. But I know you do. And I know this. I've been with him long enough. If I stay humble and before his presence, he will put around me or in me everything I need to get the job. I'm done. The enemy always wants to highlight what we don't have, but God is always highlighting what you do have. You may be facing Goliath, and listen, I don't have nothing to face Goliath, but what you do have is a slingshot, and you're pretty good with that slingshot. And the Holy Ghost reminds him, hey, you're pretty good with that slingshot. You remember when the lion and the bear come up? It's the same thing that will take out Goliath. If you're visiting here, I'll holler a little bit, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, he's odd. He ain't mad. I'm just mad at the devil, but I'm glad at God. Come on. 
Look at this in Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 25, God calls Moses up on the mountain. He said, I want you to build a house for me. This is just like what God does to a preacher. Calls him up on the mountain. He's up there for 40 days. 40 days. Getting a download. While he's up there 40 days, Aaron's down there having to contend with the people. He's babysitting, not leading. Come on. Let me tell you another thing. The realm of influence that God's called you to, if you fear the people you're facing, listen, you're not leading them, they're leading you. You have to stand in the confidence in the power of His might. We're church full of leaders in here. Come on, somebody. We're a house that's destined to raise, that's destined to raise kings. Come on. We're not raising infants in here. We're raising kings that'll leave outside this house and bring kingdom influence wherever you go. Come on, somebody. We don't look at our neighbor at the gas pump when the, when the gas prices go up and say we don't know what we do. We believe God's going to provide for us. Come on, somebody. Doesn't mean we're perfect people, but we... All right. Y'all trust I'm going to read this out. Just, I'm going to give you the scripture reference, okay? I've got to preach this thing out of my heart. We can travel the ground quick. <laughs> if you're visiting, that's great faith in the preacher. So in Exodus 25, he's up there 40 days, and God begins to, God begins to speak to Moses. I want you to build me a tabernacle. I, this is what I want you to build. I need, I need the windows to look like this. I, he, God is very uh, specific in everything that he tells him to build. Now notice this. This is the first time in your Bible where it's mentioned that a man is filled with the Spirit of God. Now listen, this, if you listen, you got to get this. The same anointing that makes Matt sing is the same anointing that makes the carpenter build. The same anointing that makes me preach is the same anointing that makes the dentist pull teeth. Praise God. When you operate in your calling, right? Catherine says when she's in her classroom, as hectic and as rough as the state school system is, she said, but when I'm in that environment, I feel fully alive. Why? Because she was destined to be a teacher. That's why you feel fully alive. When you're doing what you're called to do, you feel fully alive. Right now, I'm hitting on all eight cylinders and the smoke's going through the top. I'm destined to do, this is what I'm destined to be. And so God tells Moses, he says, uh, he says, this is what I want you to build. Now, don't you think Moses was saying, I don't have a clue to build what you're saying. I, I know what you're saying, but how am I going to build a tabernacle for you? I ain't never cut nothing with a saw. I can't even hardly speak. I told you when, we, when you called me the pastor of this people, I can't even preach. And you told me to get Aaron. He can speak good. Just speak it, Aaron. So then God says, listen, I want you to go back down. There's a man. Look at your neighbor and say, there's someone. And his name is Bezalel. And I have filled him, look at this, with the spirit of God. And with, with that anointing that's on his life, he can build stuff with his hands.
Listen, do you know what that tells me? We are a bunch of rich people sitting in this room. Look at the wealth that is sitting in this room all around you. The thing that you need in your life fixed, it ain't somewhere over yonder. It's within arm's reach of you. You just gotta have eyes to see what is setting the earthen vessel that is set next to you. You just gotta have eyes to see the treasure that lies within them. God, I'm preaching good this morning. T.D. said one time he was preaching so good he'd buy, he'd buy a CD. Do you know that this is why there's diversity in a house? You don't want a team that looks just like you. You've got to have diversity on your team. If, you got, if all of your team members look like you, that's why you ain't leading nothing. You've got to have diversity on your team. You got to have some because you see red. You got to have somebody sees blue. Come on, somebody. When you, when the other person when you you got red and blue covered, you need somebody else to see yellow. Diversity, and then God puts this. The Bible says Jesus Christ in us the hope of glory. You are never unmatched in any situation that you find yourself in in life. Let me say that again. You are never unmatched. What is in you is greater than what lies before you. You just got to tap into the wealth that God has placed on the inside of you. So he said, Bezalel, I want you to get Bezalel and I want you to bring him in because he's gifted to build what you see. He's able to build what you see. Listen, do you know this? If we're going to change a city, number one, it can start here. I do believe that. But it has to translate from here into the pew. And it has to translate from that seat and walk out the walls of this church. God, help me right here. Mm, my God, I about want to speak in tongues right here. Listen to me. But some of you might not can handle that on Sunday morning. But listen, when you walk up to your business and you realize, listen, this is not just my business. This is my ministry. This is the house of God that God has entrusted me with. Listen here. I'm not here just to make a dime. Come on. If you go into business and make money, you're going broke. You can't start a business to make money. Come on, somebody. Any business owners in here, the business will drain you of money for a season. You start a business to fill a need and a void in a city. I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. And as you feel that void and need and nurture that business up on its feet, that business will eventually feed you and it'll feed generations from you. Come on, somebody. But it is a ministry in this city. I'm glad you showed I started to text you. Michelle said, my God, be at the house of God this morning. It's when you walk down your sidewalks before you ever walk in the building. Father, I just thank you for everybody coming in this place today. I thank you whatever dress that they look at, you're going to transform somebody's life. Come on now. Whatever house you build, you praying over every piece of lumber that goes in that house. Come on, somebody. I build a house for the heathen. I pray over every piece of lumber that goes in the house. I thank you, Father, that as they come in this house, they realize this house wasn't built by a heathen. Come on, somebody. It was built by a man of God, a Bezalel. They lay down in this house and sleep. I thank you that you're going to change people's lives in this house. It's a ministry. And everything we do, we do as unto the Lord. We realize, hey, I'm walking on assignment every morning. Boy, this goes against the grain. What? Well, I, we just go to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. That's why we're not bringing no impact. Come on, somebody. Bezalel. Now, here's the thing. When God tells us to do something, the first thing we do is take inventory of what we don't have instead of what we do have. 
If God spoke to you this morning in worship and says, I want you to buy a plane ticket, I want you to go to, I want you to go to Mozambique for the next four weeks, the first place you look at your checkbook register, see what it says you got. How many knows when God spoke to you, he saw what was in your checkbook register? And he ain't concerned what's in his checkbook register because he refuses to be limited by that. Come on, somebody. Instead of inventorying what we do have. Remember when the prophet showed up to the lady's house? She said, she said that you know that my husband did fear God. Come on, am I right? Second Kings, right? You know that my husband did fear God. And he said, she said, we are here gathering sticks to cook our last meal that we may eat it and die. And the prophet says, what do you have in the house? Listen, with everything that God tells us to do, he says this, what do you have in the house? It's somewhere sitting in the house. The key to fixing your marriage is somewhere sitting in the house. The key to fixing your finances is somewhere sitting in the house. What do you have in the house? Well, your, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Well, what you do have in that moment may look insignificant. Listen, but with God, little is much. Come on, somebody. Remember when they said they had to feed 5,000, there was a young lad. Well, all I got is a few fish and a, and a little bit of bread. But it was the very thing that Jesus needed, and when he took it and blessed it, it supplied for 5,000. Men, not counting women and children. So what, what do you do have? Well, I can't do nothing but sing. That's the very thing that'll get you there. It's going, y'all, right? Go to Zechariah. You got to see this. The book of Zechariah. Still trying to lay some legs. Right here to what we're talking about. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which you were angry these 70 years? And the Lord answered the angel who talked, with, to, talked to me with good and comforting words. So the angel spoke with me and said to me, Proclaim, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I'm zealous for Jerusalem. I'm for Zion with great zeal, and I'm exceedingly angry with the nations at ease. For I was a little angry, and they helped, but with evil intent. Therefore, says the Lord, I'm returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts, and a surveyor's line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Again proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities shall again spread out, shall again spread out through prosperity. And the Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. Look at this. God's promising. I'm about to bring restoration to it. Now, then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these? So he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. Look at this. How many horns did he see? Four horns. How many craftsmen? Four. 
Look at this. And the Lord showed me four craftsmen. And I said, what are these coming to do? So he said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift up his head. Look at this. This is a city where people has lost hope and there's no hope. Come on. Their heads are bowed. Do you know, do you know, what, you know what the Florida Keys needs right now? Do you know what Puerto Rico needs and the Caribbean? Do you know what it needs? It needs craftsmen. Y'all, y'all with me? I got, come on, stay right here with me. Look at your neighbor and say, stay awake right there. Come on, this is good. It's going to be better than Bonanza. Come on, hang out right here. <laughs> Ready? The four horns of waking war. Listen, he says, what are these coming to do? So he said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one can lift up his head. But the craftsmen are coming, look at this, to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. What, what is that saying? What is that saying, preacher? What is he talking about a craftsman? A craftsman is a preacher that's in disguise as a plumber. A craftsman is a preacher clothed in a manufacturer's uniform. A craftsman is a preacher clothed in an RN, a paramedic, a businessman. Come on, somebody. The craftsmen are you sitting in the pews. You're a craftsman. You're the answer to the horn that is making war with this community. I can't get into school, but the PE coach is in the school. Come on, somebody. The teacher's in the school. Come on. A teenager that is on fire is in the school. That's a craftsman. What the Florida Keys need is craftsmen that know how to build. But not only are they equipped to build, they're equipped to lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. They're equipped with the word of knowledge to be able to release a word fitly spoken. Listen, a word fitly spoken is better than apples of gold in a setting of silver. Come on, somebody. They know how to do not only the work with their hands, but they also know how to hear the voice of their father. Come on, somebody. And release a word of hope. What is the answer to this city? When the church realizes in this city is we don't just gather on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. We go to Walmart on Monday. Come on now. We go to the ball field on Tuesday. And God plants in us things that he wants to see happen in this community. Business-wise, other things. This is the answer. I was in a meeting. Let me just say this in the, in the, in the, um, look at this. Go to Ephesians chapter three. Then we'll shift gears right here just a second. Go to Ephesians chapter three. I want you to see this verse of scripture. This is also the same thing. It's in the, uh, it's the New Testament version of that scripture. Um, in Ephesians chapter three, uh, verse 10, it says, to the intent that now, the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The manifold wisdom, the multifaceted intelligence of God may be known to the principalities. Y'all with me? I ain't preaching over nobody, am I? We were in a meeting Thursday. And we were in a meeting at the, at the Western Sizzler or whatever. We were trying to meet about d- d- different things. What was that AFCA meeting? 
And, and, and Stanton was, was speaking at this meeting or whatever. And then we, we sat down and we had just a few, right? It wasn't, you, you would think, I mean, we got FCA here. We got our chapter monthly meeting about reaching, the, reaching all schools, the vision for FCA, which, by the way, is the last, this is the last ditch effort we have to get on every campus in America. FCA can go on it. Now that Stanton is a part of that, he can go straight at the VSU and begin to preach the gospel. They can't throw him off of it because he's F, FCA. Right? This is the last thing we got, right? So you would think that the church, especially in our community, would be heavily involved with this, right? Well, we can't get them involved in potluck dinners. It's probably going to be difficult to get them involved with FCA. Oh, shout me down when I'm preaching good. Talk about myself too, okay? Junior wasn't there either. No. <laughs> so listen, let's, let's get on this, Right? So anyhow, so we're talking about how to get the churches involved. I'm talking about the multifaceted wisdom of God, right? Do you realize that that is in you? Does it, you realize it says we have the mind of Christ. We're not searching for it. It's in there. Come on now. This, this, is, this multifaceted, what it, the, the, multidimensional is a picture of what Joseph. Remember Joseph, his daddy made him a coat, what? Of many colors. Joseph was walking under this multifaceted dimension, right? And he saved an entire nation. We can't even believe God for little bitty sparks. But the Bible says that we are the disciple nations. It's not the Muslim's job to disciple nations. It's the church's job of the living God. Come on, somebody. Jesus Christ to disciple nations. So I sit there to meet. I don't care if I don't care if I'm sitting in a meeting with, with a guy that's got seven PhDs. If I got the anointing of God on my life, I'm more intelligent than anybody sitting in the room. Come on, somebody. We're sitting there. He's trying to speak. At the Western Sizzler. Luke Bryan on the radio. People slinging tea glasses. Ain't nobody care that he's speaking the gospel. This is the society we're living in. Ain't no fear of God in the church, more or less out in the world. Oh, shut me down while I'm preaching good. Come on, I'm, I'm going to quit and behave. So at the end they said, does anybody got any comment they want to say? Well, I wanted to say something. I said, have you ever thought about, why? I said, why do you have the meeting at the Western Sizzler? Why, why do you even have it here? Which is what, this, is where, this is where we have it. That's kind of like, you know, that grandma cut half the ham off, right? And then the daughter cut half the ham off. And then the granddaughter's cutting half the ham off. And they said, you know, why do you cut half the ham off to bake it? Or whatever. And that's the way my grandma done it. That's the way we've done it in our family for years. Well, those, so finally they go to grandma and say, Grandma, why did you cut the ham off? Because I didn't have a pot big enough to put the whole ham in. And this is the way we do stuff in the church. Come on, somebody. The devil ain't got to ramp up no defense. We've been running the same offense for years and wonder why we ain't got the ball down the field. Hello. We trying to do it with the preacher, handing out little trinkets in the city, buy my potluck dinner, pork chop dinner, chicken dinner. Come on, somebody. It's time we train the church and say, listen, you go do the stuff. The devil ain't looking for no carpenter trained with the gospel. He ain't got no defense for that. Not only is he quit with that, he's equipped with a framing hammer. And knock a devil clean out somebody's life he has to. Come on. 
So I said, why, why are we doing this at the Western Sizzler? Because we're trying to communicate vision. I got a young man here that's full of vision, trying to communicate vision. And Luke Bryan's singing about when he's going to have his next beer shaking his leg. Come on, somebody. I can't even focus on the kingdom when I got this trash going up in here. Right. Y'all don't shout me now when I'm preaching good. Come on now. I know you like him, but listen, it ain't edifying your soul. Listen, that, none of that is. And you wonder why you're depressed if you'll cut that mess off. Come on, somebody. And the rest of your country music that's talking about losing your wife, your kids, your dog, and everybody's drunk on the side of the road. Get some worship going on in there. And then God will give you a vision. Come on. I'm not, I, I still like some country. But I like Alabama and stuff. Come on. Roll on highway. I, Ash asked me the other night, he said, we was at Matt's house. He said, are we going out to eat tonight? I said, no, but I said, the cop is short and the weeds are tall. But I said, God's going to help us get out of all of it. Come on. So I'm saying this, I said, this, this, this environment is not even conducive for what we're trying to do. I said, I said, you want to get churches involved? This is what I said. I said, why don't you have a church once a month to host the event? And allow that church to provide dinner for everybody in the room. So I'm starting to say it. And, you know, I don't know what people, you know, I can tell it. You know what? I have one looking at me. Boy, he was looking strange. You know what I'm saying? I, so Stanton leaned over and he told me when he got back. He said, I told him you need to do everything he's telling you to do. That's what he said he told him. He said, you need to take everything he's telling you to do. You need to do it. Start it right now. Because what he's saying, he's going to force those leaders to get involved because now you got a host at your church. Yes, now you can't be on the golf course swinging the club. Now you got to be there to hear what's going on. This is, this is the multifaceted wisdom, the intelligence of God. Now see, if I had a room full of kings in here that had plenty of money, I'd build my amphitheater theater right there at where the depot parking lot is. It would be backed up, setting to, to the highway right there so it couldn't distract people. But we pumped the gospel out everywhere. Why do I want to go preach the gospel downtown? Because they're not showing up in our church. We've got to go get where they're at. Come on, somebody. We can sit down here and cry and say, why they ain't coming to church? Or we can get out and go with them. Come on, somebody. If I go fishing in your pond four times and I don't hang a fish, I'm not going to cry and get upset. I'm going to take my boat out and go to another pond. Come on, someone, till I can catch the fish. Yes, sir. All right. You all right? That's one page. That's one page. It's 1139. All right. That means they paid me to 12. All right? I got to go to 12 to be illegal. You got, you got just a moment right here? 19 minutes. I'm finna to preach it quick, okay? We're going to get in here. Listen to this. One man can't build division by himself, and neither can you accomplish what you have been given from God by yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, you need me, and I need you. I told you this for a long time. Lex Luger has been long gone. He's retired. He was the only total package, and he's in retirement. Nobody else. Listen. Listen, this thing that says, well, God don't need us, absolutely he needs us. 
It was like this. There's a, new, there's a new pastor come to town or whatever, and he went out to one of his uh, parishioners, had a farm or whatever, and he went out, and you know, and the, the guy was showing him these huge tomatoes and showing him these huge cucumbers. Look at the produce he had grown. And, he, and, and every time the man showed him what he had done, he, the preacher would say, man, ain't God good. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. Finally, the man pointed over there to a place that was grown up with briars and dog fennels and a thicket. He said, yeah, look what God had all by himself. God needs us. He's destined to work through us. There's this thing that God has limited himself, listen, to co-laboring with mankind. He needs us. That's, that's just raking the coals in here. I can feel it. God can do what he wants to. Yeah, he can do what he wants to. But he chose to work with man. Listen, you remember the devil in Genesis 3.15 when the first prophecy came out? He said, listen, there's one coming that's going to bruise your head, but you're going to bruise his heel. This is what he said. Devil, I could take you out at any moment, and I could. Come on, somebody. There's no, there's no, there's no battle going on between heaven and hell. There's no battle. Jesus said it like this in Luke. Remember? He said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. God hit the flush. He fell out. Come on. There's no, but he said, listen, I'm not going to whip you. I'm going to raise up a people that's got free will. Come on, son. They can either choose to serve me or not. Those are the people that I'm going to use to whip you and tear your kingdom down. Hello? Lord, I wish I had the whole city council in here, man. So it's going to take teamwork. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to take teamwork. Now, it don't matter what you lead. And listen to this. Every leader has a weakness. I got more weak. You don't only need to know your strengths, you need to know your weaknesses. And we want to hide weaknesses, but Paul said, I will glorify in the weaknesses. For where I'm weak, he's strong. Now, if you know me, I don't know if I really want to preach how, how it really is because I don't know if you can bear that. But the mentality I have, <laughs> Catherine be like, person died. Okay, but let me tell you what we got to do right here to see. And to most people, like, I can't believe he just didn't fall on the floor and cry. I won't do that, but she will. I, I shouldn't have said that. Jimmy, I got too real right there, didn't I? Let me clean it up. But this is how I'm wired. But how many knows when God brought me a soulmate to bring in the ministry with me, he didn't bring somebody wired the way I was wired. Because if we did, we wouldn't be building nothing. We'd be killing everything we was touching. Because my counsel session be like this. You know what I'm saying? If your right hand offend you, I'll be cutting it off in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Come back next week, my right eyes offend me. Pluck it out in Jesus' name. <laughs> so whatever, listen. But every leader knows this. He knows his strengths and he knows his weaknesses. So your job as a leader is to resource where you're weak. See, it's not that I don't care. But if I get in a room full of sick people, I'm going to lose vision and hope. Because what I want to do is go in there and I want to lay hands, command life, raise the dead. But some people need to be walked with for a season. So you have to resource that weakness. Are you with me? Every leader, every good leader, it goes like a coach. They know how to do what? Win. It doesn't matter who's got the ball as long as we win. How we've did it in the past is we thought one man had to be the one with the ball inside 
his hands at all times. But every, every coach knows this. It doesn't matter how great the running back is. If you got Herschel Walker or you got Bo Jackson, everybody has to have a break on the sideline. Oh, what happens is we kill the man running the ball. Have you ever read God's generals? That is plenty of wisdom how one man thought that he was the only one that could run the ball and it brought destruction in his life. Everybody's got to have a breather on the sidelines. We don't need everybody in this room preaching like John. If we do, we are, de- we are downgrading, not upgrading. I, th- I-, I thought this morning, out of everything, that what you saw was diversity happen in this house. You saw, the pa- you saw a pastoral gift working, going after the one. You saw the evangelist saying, take charge. My God, let's go get them with the fire. Come on, somebody. And now another gift standing up talking about, let's go get a city. This is diversity. Teamwork. Here's what is overrated and totally tearing up the church. I'm, I'm, I got 15 minutes, okay? Stay with me. Is this, well, I, I, you know, this, well, if I'm the church, then I don't need the church. I can just go do it on my own. Show me anywhere in the Bible. Take me to the Bible. Come on, friend. Jesus was perfect theology. He chose 12 men to do life with. It's not about the 5,000, it's about the 12. It's not about the 5,000, it's about the 12. And Jesus spent his life with 12. Then he broke his life down even more and laid it all bare with three. It was when he had to go raise when he had to go raise Jairus' daughter, he took three. When he went up the mountain in Matthew 17, he took three. When he went into the... He He had this inner circle. Takes teamwork. In Luke 10, Jesus sent them out in groups of two. Why? If one becomes overcome, two won't become overcome. You need somebody. He didn't say pray, my father who art in heaven. He said, our father. Am I in the book? Come on now. He said, our Father. So we need each other. As bad as we hate to say it, how many seen the movie Secret Life of Pets? Raise your hand. Y'all ain't got no little kids. You remember when the bunny rabbit, you know what I'm talking about? He said, TD, as bad as I hate to do it, me and you got to team up. Look at your neighbor and say, bad as I hate it, you and I on the same team. Teamwork. Learn how to work together. We can't work together more or less, but we got to learn how to live together and do life. All right. Try trying to cut this up right here because I'm going to have to, I can't finish all this in a day. I do have enough wisdom. No, you can't preach a a whole book in a day. In George Barner's book on leadership, Leaders on Leadership, the word teamwork is described as working together toward the fulfillment of a desired outcome without the loss of one's individuality. Now, let me tell you the danger of what I've seen in, in past is we've tried to clone people like the leader. Very dangerous when you try to clone people. God doesn't want clones. He wants individuality. So in other words, God knew everything about you. The Bible says that your hairs are numbered. See, it's one thing to know that you got 960 hairs, but when one falls out, God knows if it was number 741. That's how much he knows you. Come on, somebody. 
And he knew everything about you. And he chose you and he placed you on the team for what you have. So what religion does is it tries to kill every part of you so that God can accept you. But God chose you the way you were. And we need to, you can't lose your individuality. I'm never going to talk like I'm from New York City. It doesn't mean I'm not educated. And it doesn't mean I'm dumb because I speak country. But God chose me knowing how country I am and how country I speak. And he had enough wisdom not to send me to New York City. He left me in the South. We couldn't live in it. You can't shoot a gun in New York City without getting arrested. So here's the deal. When you're on the team, you get to be you. And I get to be me. But we're on a team. And I know your strengths and I know your weaknesses. And I don't get upset over your weaknesses because I know I have my own weaknesses. All right. Let's look right here and see how much we got. Four commonalities for a team to function well together. For us to function well together, we got to have visions, values, procedures, and healthy relationships. Vision means that they must all know where we're headed and be in agreement of the direction. You got to know what's the vision. What's the environment? Where's this team going? Listen, here's the deal. If you get on a Greyhound and you got a Parker on and you all bundled up, but the destination says Miami, you're going to be upset. You can pray all you want to, speak in tongues, but the places that the bus is headed to Miami because the driver's going to Miami. Right? Got to have vision. You got to have. You got to have values. These are the things we believe so deeply that we would be willing to die for them. Common procedures are the practical methods needed to carry out the vision. We must be all in agreement concerning how we carry it out. This is speaking on leadership, by the way. Not everybody in the room. Come on now. Listen, healthy relationships. The relationships on a team must be God-given. Everyone has to feel valued. If we create an environment where the preacher is the only one valued, you will feel like your your business is beneath the church. Gosh, this is good. Is this not good, Dusty? I'm I'm, I'm preaching good stuff. It's above a hot dog level, ain't it? Come on now. Listen, but but if you feel valued, you will see your business as a ministry and an extension of the church. And when you walk in that business, this is just important. As Pastor John prophesying, laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover. Let me tell you something. If we really get the model right, more stuff will happen in your business than it happens in him. And we'll spend our time in here talking about what just took place down at the business. Jesus had more stuff going on in the marketplace than he ever had going on in the church. People say, well, what about the devils in the city? Jesus cast more devils out the church than he ever did in the city. Come on. We got to influence the way people think. Mm. I got eight minutes. Y'all right? Am I dropping too much on you? We got to have a team. In an article printed in Physician Magazine 
called attention to church leaders. 80% of leaders and 84% of their spouses feel discouraged and deal with feeling of depression. 40% of church leaders and 47% of their spouses suffer from feelings of burnout. Otherwise, they want to quit. Have you read Psalms 142? David said, take my life. This is him as a pastor. How many knows that's not the will of God? The leader should never feel burnout. Rob Parsley wrote a book 20 years ago, No Dry Season. There ought not to be one. So here's the deal. If we're feeling burnout, there's a reason that pain's happening. Probably the reason why that pain's happening is you don't have the structure in the environment to do what you're to, to bear the weight of it. The roof is never, the, the walls will never be under any pain as long as Steve, Steve and Jesse has put the right amount of lumber below it. If it called for two by sixes and they put one by fours in there, it's going to be under some pressure. Do you know that those beams right there are massively heavy, but the structure is not straining to hold it? Because the engineer figured out what weight was going to be up on top. Before he ever touched any of that, he determined it down here to hold that up there. And here's the thing. As a leader, when it comes to this church, when it comes to my staff, if I got to hold it, I don't need them. I should never have to hold it. I should only touch it. Gosh, this is good. If I got to hold it, I don't need you. I told him to cut up with him. Roll, where's Gavin at? Roll with me. I'm going to show you my team. Right, you see him. <laughs> I told you I'm going to get you. He's half with me. This is my team right here. Bad as I hate to say it, TD, this is what I got to roll with. How would you say, I'm cutting up with them, how, would, how many would agree with me, they've come a long ways. They've come a long ways. We've all come a long ways. We're all growing together. We're growing together. Isaiah 54, verse 2 says this. It says, stretch forth, stretch forth the tabernacle and lengthen or stretch forth, lengthen the place you're at and strengthen the cords of the tabernacle. There's strengtheners in this place and there's lengtheners. Lengtheners are visionary people who see. Strengtheners are people who bring structure to, to, to facilitate the vision of the lengthener. Here's the thing. Don't try to be a lengthener when God's called you as a strengthener. And don't be a strengthener if God's called you as a lengthener. Get in their place. Do you know where we're coming to? Remember Joel says that there's coming an army on the earth. That there has never been none like them before. Nor will they be any like them after. It says that they know how to rank. They know how to march in ranks in their place. Other words, the prophet's not trying to be an evangelist. Come on somebody. This is an army that is not worried about cards. I'm sick of cards. Come on somebody. If you who you say you are, you will reproduce it. Hello. If you're the leader you say you are, I'll look in six months and see where you brought the train from. If you're not bringing the train, you babysitting. Come on, somebody. If you're a prophet, we ain't got to play no music. Come on, somebody, and create an atmosphere for you to prophesy. You can prophesy. 
This is hard preaching right here, but I told, I told somebody this one time that says there was a prophet. I said, you know what? It's, it's, it's beautiful outside. It's, I said, make it rain. If you can't make the clouds come up and make it rain, then don't tell me you're a prophet. It's quiet in the room. Huh? If you, if you who you are, it will come out of you naturally. If you got to work it to make it come, maybe that's not who you are. All right, let's go. David said this in 1 Chronicles 12, 6 and 18. This is his team that comes to him. How many knows that David took a bunch of broken men and created mighty men inside of them? The Bible says they was in debt and they were in stress and all of these things. And David took these broken men, brought them in a cave. And then 2 Samuel 23 says that these men were mighty men. Such as Shammah who defilded a whole field of peas. All of these different ones. Eleazar who cleaved to the sword. Right? These are men that has come to this leader and this leader spoke into their life and got these men from distress, debt, and all that was in their life and fixed the brokenhearted and turned them into mighty men. But here's the deal. When he looked at them, he says, have you come peaceably? In other words, you're coming on this team. I gotta know what kind of baggage you're bringing. Did you come peace? Did you come to harm me? All these things he goes in. He says, he said, question one, have you come peace? Do you want, do you, you, David wanted to know what kind of baggage are you bringing? Are you coming to help me? To be on the team, you must give up your vision for the vision of the team. This is where it all begins. Listen, give me five minutes and I'm, fish, I'm finishing. Every vision starts with you losing your vision, serving a vision, and as you serve a vision, you will inherit your own vision. God told me this years ago. I got an opportunity to preach from my pastor on Pastor Appreciation Day. And I said, God, I want to preach something I've never heard nobody talk about. And then God took me to the story where Elisha touched the axe head and made it to float. And God said, you got to be willing to swing. For the scripture says, it was a borrowed axe. You got to be willing to swing a borrowed axe. Jesse had to be willing to swing his daddy's hammer before God would ever entrust him with his own hammer. This is where we lose people off the team because nobody wants to pay the price to get on the team. Gosh, this is good preaching. But when you pay the price, when you leave it, when you're willing to lay yourself down, when you lay it all down, that's when God qualifies you for the very thing that he's telling you to lay down. He tells them about money. He tells them about money. He said the love of money is evil. It's going to kill you. Don't mess with the money. That will blow you up. Then he said you ain't left houses, lands, brothers, sister, father, mother, anything. You don't give up anything. Then I won't give you a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. The very thing that I said will kill you. What qualifies you to get it if you're willing to walk with none? How you gonna get a business when you can't work for somebody? Showing up at 8.15 when you're told to show up at 8. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm preaching good now. Showing back up to work at 1.15. One of my guys that worked me, one day said, hey, we'll do this in two days. I said, we're gonna get every bit of this done in a day. He said, we won't never get it. I said, if we don't finish today, you don't show up in the morning. Why? Because I'm the one toting the load. I got to pay you. I'm getting a certain amount of dollars right here. And if we're going to work all day tomorrow, that means you're getting every bit of thing I'm working for too. We got to get it today. Well, why won't my businessman pay? Man, uh, I want to get off on right here for a minute. 
Why can't I get no raise? Why don't you start doing something to get a raise? My God, I'm, I'm going to get thrown out of here today. Hello. Huh? Come on. Come on. My daddy didn't even start at seven. He was on the job site at six. How many remember, ever read Sam Walton? What time did Sam Walton get to work? He was in the office at four o'clock in the morning, ready to go. Huh? See, everybody won't be, everybody won't be a CEO of Walmart, but you won't get up and be at the office at four in the morning. When I was in the small group setting, everybody wanted to be Bill Johnson, wanted to have the church he's got. They asked Bill, what time do you get up in the morning? He said, every Sunday morning, I'm going to get up at four o'clock. I'm in the office at five. I'm preaching my first service at eight. I preached my last service at seven that night. Because they got a building that's just a little bit bigger than us and they got to run about 9,000 people through that building. Have you ever pulled it up? And here's the crazy thing. On Wednesday night, there's no chairs in that building and the kids are shooting basketball. So somebody's got to come in and put chairs in for Wednesday night service. Here's another thing. Everybody won't be Bethel. On Friday night when we at Walmart going down to the Longhorns letting the belt out a little further, they're having church. Huh? So after I heard he was up every Sunday morning at 4 o'clock, and that's the schedule he had, you know what? On Sunday night, he's going home and he gets to eat a meal with his wife and his family. Then he lays down Sunday night. Monday morning, he's on a plane flying half around the world. Everybody want to be him, though, until we get to that level of price. Everybody wants to, everybody wants to be the boss man and be the boss and start the business until you realize you might have to go seven, eight weeks without a check, and you're paying everybody else, and you're at home eating Viennas, and they're at home eating uh, firehouse subs. Talking about the real deal. I'm talking about a leader. Look at your neighbor and say, you want to be a leader? Lead. It's 12.02. I got to give you three things right here. i give you three points. We're going home. I made it down to the three points. I'm doing this in five minutes. Look at your neighbor and say, put in your seatbelts. Fit to come to a land. You want to play right here, man? Before My gosh, look at the notes. I, I'm going to sell these right here this morning. How it's better. It's, this, this is life impact and take your business triple in sales right here. We starting this off at 199000 It's worth more than that. See, you see, when you don't know the truth and you see people just post stuff on social media, when they post stuff like that, well, Joel Osteen, look at that mega pastor out there. Mega pastor out there won't open his church for the hurting. Just in it for the money. What they won't tell you is Joel Osteen don't draw a salary from that church. What they won't tell you is not only does he pay for himself, but he pays for every staff member and every employee that travels with him, he pays for it out of his own pocket. What they won't show you is that there's a flood wall inside of that building that was two inches from capsizing in that thing and it did capsize in 2006 and flooded everything they got. Don't know the whole story. As Paul Harvey used to say, now you know the rest of the story. Joel Osteen ain't made his money off of preaching. He's made his money off of pinning his books. His last book, he was fronted $13 million just to, just, to, just to say that he would agree to write the book. 
So if you're going to be a leader, listen to this. God knows the journey. He knows the journey. He knows the task. He knows the lane He's got you in. To get to the place that you're going to get to, you're going to have to have people in your life to resource you. Everybody in this room will meet a butler and you will meet a baker. Joseph met these in his life. The butler and baker was in the prison, the dark times of life. All leaders, some say, well, are leaders, are leaders born or are leaders formed? The answer is both. You can increase any area in your life. I learned that from L.A. Joyner. He said, any area that you weak in, you can, thank you, you can produce it to be a strength. And let me say this, any strength in your life that is not guarded will become a weakness. If you're strong in an area and you do, not, you do not stay in humility and you do not walk in humility before the Lord and you think you've got it all figured out in that area, it will become a weakness. So there's these three different types of people that God wants to bring into our lives and help us to get to the destiny. Know this, that every person that God calls into your life is not into your life to stay forever. And so we got to understand that. That's something that... Kathy and I had to, had to figure out especially in pastoring churches because you have no choice but to love see you guys can show up when you want to I have no choice and so you got you got these three different people you got confidants constituents and comrades Here's the thing, it'll take all three for you to get to the destination. But you as the leader got to understand which one it is that you're dealing with. Whether he's a confidant, constituent, or comrade. The confidants are people in your life. This is the lowest category in your sphere. These are people that are in it for you. They could care less what you're building, what you're driving, or what you're living in. They're there for you. What drives them is you. You can't feed a confidant money. You can't feed him titles. You can't feed him fortune. You got to feed him you. Jesus had the confidants, which was the inner circle to three. That's why he took them to the side. Listen, I just gave the rest of them the vision and telling them what we're doing. But now I want to break it down and just give you me. Because they got to live off of you. You understand that? And so here's the deal. The confidants is the smallest category. And I heard one leader say, if you have three confidants in a lifetime, you're a very wealthy person. Confidants are who you can bear your soul to. Confidants is when life is, is, is rough. I mean, business is tanking and you really just want to give up. You can look at them and say, I really just want to flesh out. I'm about to go buy me a case of Crown Royal. Just get it all over with. And the confidant don't look at you and say, oh my God, you've backslidden before the Lord. The confidant wraps their arms around you and love you and say, I still believe in you, man. Did God say do it? Didn't do it. Didn't run. You gotta have a confidant. Listen to me. Every person in this room has got to have somebody that you can tell it all to and bear it all to. Now you gotta finish this, man. This is what happens when you just eat a lot. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm getting paid overtime. You know what I'm saying? It's at 1208. I just went on overtime. My God, thank you, Jesus. We needed a little extra this week. Thank you, Lord, for anointing me this long. Right here, I'm done. Listen, we're finna be out here. Now, a constituent. A constituent looks just like a confidant. You with me? They look just like a confidant because they run alongside you. They with you at the functions and everything. But here's the difference. A constituent is not into you. They're into what you're doing. See, Michelle is that protege you get around you. And what they do, they're excited about the vision. What's in them is I'm going to own my own store one day. Come on, somebody. I, I'm, I'm going to do this myself. And, you, and, and what happens is, is because they're so close to you, you think that they're a confidant. But on the inside, they're not there for you. They're in there for them. And they're in there because they're into what you're doing. And here's the deal. They will jump your ship onto somebody else's boat if they can get them a little faster to where they want to go. You say, well, I don't want them. You got to have them. And as I heard it from one leader say that constituents are just like scaffolding. They get right up against the building. There's hardly no difference between the building and the scaffolding. But once the building gets to the top, the scaffolding comes down. And this constituent is gone, but the confidant is still standing. Because they don't care whether the building was built or not. They're in it for you. Why are you telling me this? Because I'm telling you as a leader, you got to know which one's around you. Because in a moment of weakness, you can't bear your own soul to a constituent or a, com- or, or a, com- or a comrade. Because the comrade will tell what you told in weakness. I'm giving you some good stuff right here. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You ain't getting this at the Frozen Chosen. I'm telling you. Right here is better than the hundred you dropped in the plate this morning. The comrade, the comrade don't care about what you're doing and they don't care about you, but they just against what you're against. Comrades come into your life when you got a battle to fight. Here's what they do. They, they say this. Say Jesse's a comrade. He says, I don't care about you, but I can tell you right now, I, I hate Junior enough that I'll join up with your team to beat him. You ever seen these type of people? The Sadducees and the Pharisees hated each other. They were against each other for, 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 for generations. They hated each other. But when Jesus come up on the scene, they hated him more than they hated each other. And they said, you know what? We're going to partner right now to take this man out. Because this man right here is going to pull our job titles down real quick if we don't stop him. So let's join sides and take him out. That's a comrade. A comrade don't care nothing about fighting. That's all they want to do is fight. You ever seen them in the church? I guess y'all ain't been in enough churches yet. Comrades always got a knife in the hand. Starting some kind of battle and starting some kind of fight. You got to have all these people. And as I'm going back to the original one, I'm closing right now. Say, thank God he's in the final closing. Some of you, it's a sign and a wonder that a man can preach longer than 20 minutes, but it can happen. Now it goes back to this. How am I going to get the five talent to ten talents? Let me tell you something. First of all, you can't envy the five talent person that God puts in your life. If you broke, you know what he's fixing to bring in your wife? Somebody, what he's fixing to bring into your life? Somebody wealthy. And then what you got to do is cut your own throat and get all your old little issues of why you broke. The reason why you broke is because you keep doing the same thing over and over again. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching. 
See, there's one part of the, there's one political party that wants to take from the rich and give it to the poor. That'll never work. And Jesus never did that to start with. He said, I'm going to give to the rich more. I'm going to take the poor stuff and give it to the rich because the rich know what to do with it. There's a reason. And we can cry about it and go, oh God, God never moves on need anyhow. Show me anywhere in the Bible he moved on need, he moves on faith. If he moved on need, he'd be in a third world country right now taking care of need. He moves by faith. But what you can realize is say, you know what? The reason why I'm broke, it, it ain't got nothing to do with what the employer's doing to me. It ain't got nothing to do with what my kid is. It has everything to do with my mentality and what's happening to my finances. And you know what? I need to get with you, brother, because I realize you can manage money more than me. And if you know how you manage your money, you can train me how to manage my money and get me out of my situation. Same way with your marriage. Sometimes you just got to go with somebody that has lived life long enough like Billy and Allie Jean. How did you make it these many years? Tom, how did you stay married? You begin to train and teach what you do into them. Now we start building something. We got something with momentum. We ain't got something to just flapping jaws and down here waving something. We actually training some warriors that can do something. But you have to see the wealth sitting around you. Same way with a musician. If I'm weak at guitars, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't want to play with him. Why? Because he's going to make me look bad. And I can sit there and I can be envy of Emmett and I can be jealous of him, everything, or I can move up beside him and say, Emmett, how you doing what you're doing, man? Can you work with me on the side? And then what happens is if I will draft him, and I will get next to him. You don't understand NASCAR. When you draft something, you get behind a car that's a little faster than you. And your car may not be able to run that fast. But if you can stay on the tail end and then you break it to the left, that draft will cause you to slingshot past them. And that's what will happen. That's what's going to happen with Grant. I can tell you right now. I prophesied. I said, as great as him. I said, at 20 years old, you're going to be playing with him. 15. God, do y'all want to go take a city or what? I mean, Lord, I'm not... I done hollered all, I can't pump us up no more. I mean, we got to go do it. You want to see football teams win state championships? We got to do it. Do you want to see FCA to reach a school? We got to do it. Come on. Do you want to see downtown change? We got to do it. You say, well, it can't change. Let me finish. I'm done. Final closing. Remember, says, how can you go in a strong man's house unless you first bind a strong man? That ain't got nothing to do about walking in somebody's house, binding the devils down in that house and then evicting them. What that's talking about is a leader that is unwilling to change. The strong man is the leader. The smallest fruits and goods is the fruits of his leadership. So this is what I say. Father, if they can't see vision, remove them. I don't want my city held up by a few crooks wanting to get richer and richer and richer. Come on. I want my city to be raised up and be blessed of the Lord. And when a city's blessed, its people are blessed. I want Steve Bass blessed because he's got men that work for him. I want them to be blessed. Miss Maydean, I want your business flourishing, changing lives in the next dimension. Let it happen in Jesus' name. Come on, Matthew. I want to see another pizza shop. My God, with some good chicken wings in this city again. Just get after it. Come on, somebody. I want to see Kim Baldra on a Walmart-sized facility out there that is shaking the nation from Adel, Georgia. Come on now. We're kings in this house, and we're kings, kids, and blessed and highly favored of God. We are leaders in this house. Stand up on your feet and let me prayer blessing over you.
I don't apologize for holding you late. Father, I bless this group of people today. In the mighty name of Jesus, may you run your school that will take, that, 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 the, that the governor will come down to Adel, Georgia and be speechless as he walks into school at the wisdom that is happening in this place. Come on, somebody. I thank you for the businesses that are coming right now from this ground right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for contracts that go all over the world from Adel, Georgia in the mighty name of Jesus. I bless this people right here, God. This group of leaders in front of me, I bless them to go take their sphere of influence, take their place and to walk in the kingdom of God as craftsmen in this city. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now raise your hands right here. I need you. Um, let's stretch your hands towards uh, Stanton, Gavin, and Carson. Where's he at? Y'all come down here right quick. We're going to pray for him. They're getting on a plane in the morning. Going to Manchester, England. Going to be gone for a week. Y'all going to come down here? Get a little closer. I ain't that anointed. It ain't going to reach out 10 feet. Got to get close to the sphere. Stretch your hands towards him. Let's ask God. Father, we just thank you for these men. We thank you for these men right here, God. We thank you for the opportunity to preach the gospel in Manchester, to go represent the king and his kingdom. Now, Father, I pray that you would use them this week, God, as craftsmen in that city. Use Gavin with the tools that he's got on the inside of him, Father. Lord, we just pray, God, just an increase of anointing upon him, an increase of anointing upon Stanton, God, for Carson. I pray that you would whet his appetite for ministry like never before. God, he would forsake everything else and run hard after you, God, just for the king and his kingdom. And Lord, we just bless them. I thank you for words of knowledge. I thank you for words of prophecy that have come forth out of them. And God, I just thank you for great connections, kingdom connections. God, I thank you just for the people they'll come in contact with in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for your hedge of protection around them. I thank you for the anointing as just a literal sphere around them in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media. 